Well, good morning, good morning. Uh, we're so glad that you are here this morning. Um, yesterday, I was able to hike Table Rock, so I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but it was a struggle getting up just these steps. Um, so please pray that I do not fall over, or I, I guess you could pray that I do fall over, because that would be funny. Um, but anyway, so Pastor Mike obviously is out of town this morning. He is visiting family. He is on vacation. Um, so I have the wonderful privilege and opportunity to share the word with you this morning. Um, and we've been going through this series of practical, practical Christianity, right? And through this entire series, we've been talking about just things in Christianity that all of us should know, all of us should try to practice, right? And we've been looking at Micah 6, 8, kind of like as a guideline for everything we've talked about. Um, so I'm just going to read it briefly for you. Uh, Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, O, mo- o mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So in this series, we've talked about several things. Um, We've talked about sex. Um, If you missed that, you really missed out. It was good. Um, But we've talked about that and how how to act justly, love mercy, and that. We've talked about um, stewardship, right? We've talked about how to spend our money, how to spend our time wisely, how to spend our possessions and our relationships wisely, right? Um, Next week, uh, Pastor Mike is going to be back, and he'll be talking about integrity and how we can do that, all in the context of this this verse right here, Micah 6, 8. And today we'll be talking about where is your focus? Where is your focus? Because in order to act justly, in order to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, with our God, our focus needs to be on God, right? Our focus needs to be on him and his plan for us. Um, So we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 16, if you want to go and turn there. But before we get there, um, every time I get to the opportunity to preach, I like to share a little bit more about myself and my life, um, so so you guys get to know me more as I get to know you more. Um, So if you don't know this, I am a big family man. I love my family dearly. I don't have any family yet. Um, I'm dating somebody, but we're not married yet. So I don't have any family yet. But I'm a big family man. I have three older brothers, um, and then obviously my two parents. A lot of you probably know them, uh, and I just love them so much. We're so close. And what's special about my family is that even our extended family is really close. I have some cousins. My aunt is here as well. And, and many of you know Noah. Um, he had played bass this morning. He helps worship in the other service as well. He's my cousin, in case you didn't know that. Um, but we're super close, extended family as well. And it's just such a blessing, you know. Like some people, they don't want to go to family reunions you know, they have that one uncle that's just really annoying, just says like the most awkward things. You know, you're probably, many of you are laughing, you have a picture of him in your mind, right? Or you have that one aunt that just gives you way too many kisses. You're like, aunt, I'm, I'm 24, like why are you still kissing me? Like I'm, I'm too old for this, okay? You know, you know you have that aunt, you know? Um, but our family, we love our family reunions, right? And on both sides of my family, right? And what we do is we try to do, if we meet with uh, my dad's family for Thanksgiving, 
we'll meet with my mom's family for Christmas, right? And then the next year, we'll switch. We'll meet with my mom's family for Thanksgiving and then my dad's family for Christmas, right? Um, so it's crazy how it all works out. Like all the, the spouses and our families work it out to where we can do this. Um, so there's, there was this one year, right, where we had a family reunion in Indiana. Um, that's where a lot of my family used to live. That's where my grandparents used to live. Um, and so in Marion, Indiana... And so Marion, Indiana, in case you didn't know this, um, used to, not as much, but still is known as uh, Christmas, Indiana, and it's just celebrated, just very, there's a lot of Christmas stuff going on there, and they have this incredible Christmas lights show, all right? And, and any time that we would meet in Indiana during Christmas time, we would go to this, this light show, right? And this light show is crazy. It's in this huge park, like, they have so many lights that for some reason they have dinosaur Christmas lights. I, that doesn't make sense to me. Some guy was just probably, you know, you know what? You know what really makes me think of Christmas? Dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. We got to put dinosaurs in this park, right? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I enjoyed it as a kid because I love dinosaurs. But Christmas, like dinosaurs and Jesus, that's all you need for Christmas, right? Like, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. But they just had so many lights. They had everything. They had the, the Santa Claus. They had the reindeer. You know, they had, like, Jack Frost. At the end, they have um, the 12 days of Christmas. And we would always sing it, you know, on our way out. Um, because it's in this park, and the, our family's big. Like, there's 40 of us when we're all together. Um, and so we walk through this park instead of drive through it. And so you can walk through it. So we're all together, you know, enjoying the lights. But this one year, we're walking through this park, and I just kind of want to give you a representation of it. Um, so just imagine with me, just for a second, this is, this is a pole, okay? This is just a pole. Some of you may not be able to see it. This is a pole, okay? Um, one of those, you know, those white poles that just come sticking out of the ground, about this height, maybe a little bit taller, right? So we're walking through this park, uh, looking at all the lights, and out of nowhere, my Aunt Dorcas, um, she says, hey, why can't I move, right? And we all turn around, and she's literally, this is literally what she is doing. She's walking into this pool. Why can't I move? I, like, what is in the way? I can't move. And we all just turn around like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, how do you not see this pole right in front of you? You know, and she's just trying, I can't move. What is going on? And we just all bust out laughing, many of us falling on the ground into the snow, you know. Maybe she had a bunch of clothes on because it was December. She couldn't feel it, but she just, she just kept walking into this pole. Like, it was just, it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I love my aunt, though. She's incredible. She's down here, if you want to ask her about that story. Um, my Aunt Dorcas, absolutely amazing. Um, but it's just, she has so many stories. She's incredible. And we just all busted out laughing. You know, she's wonderful though. Uh, we love her so much. But the reason why she couldn't see this pole in front of her is because she was so focused on all the lights around her, right? She was so focused on the lights and the atmosphere that was around her. She just was having fun, having a blast, being with the family. She literally just didn't see this pole right in front of her. And I know that many of us have probably have stories like that. We're walking through the mall and we bump into somebody. We're just not looking. We're looking at all the stores and stuff like that. Or we're just walking down the street and running into a, a big pole where you hit your face, you know. I'm sure many of us have stories like that. But on a serious note, many of us lose focus 
on, on spiritual and deep, intimate levels. There are times in our lives when we lose focus of what is important. And I, 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 I'm guilty of this, um, but it's so easy because our culture tells us to focus on the wrong things, right? Our culture tells us, even as a kid, you know, you're watching TV and you see all these commercials of these new toys, like, man, I got to get that new Nerf gun, right? Or once you get into middle school, you're like, man, I got to get a cell phone. I didn't get a cell phone until I was, I think, sophomore in high school. And it was just like a little razor flip phone, if you know what I'm talking about. And then I didn't get a smartphone until I was in college. And that was a wonderful blessing. I'm glad because they're not necessary. But that's what middle schoolers are thinking about these days. Man, I need this new phone. And then high schoolers, man, I need this new relationship, right? And then in college, you're like, man, I need this degree or I need to get married to this woman because I know she is way out of my league, you know. But we focus on these things. And now oftentimes many of us focus on maybe our 401k, our, our job, um, we focus on our family, which all of these things are good. All of these things are necessary for a full life. But when we focus on these things, when we focus on maybe material possessions more than God, that's when it becomes a problem. That's when it's an issue, right? And this isn't something new. Uh, it's been going on for ages, right? And even Jesus addressed it in Matthew 6. I'm just going to read it real quick, verses 31 through 33. And when he says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness in all these things will be given to you as well. So I think it's pretty safe, pretty fair to say that many of us have lost focus at some point in time in our life, or maybe right now we're not focused on the right things. I mean, personally, I've lost focus. Um, in, in college, I've lost focus about just having fun. You know, I, I did my work, I had good grades, but so much of my time was just spent on having fun. And I mean, that's necessary. It's good to build relationships. You learn from those times, you know, you learn so much more from college than just the degree that you're, you're studying, you know, but that was where my focus was. And in high school, honestly, my focus was on video games. I played way too many video games when I was in high school. I was, I'm a super nerd, in case you don't know that. Um, but my, I lost focus of what was important, right? And I think many of us do the same. So I want to briefly, I want, not briefly, but I want to talk about a man um, in the Bible, one of the disciples, actually, that lost focus. So we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 16. Um, started, to kind of give you some background information, we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. Um, so I'm going to read those for you real quick. Verse 13, Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Judah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. 
And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So Peter was basically blessed by God with understanding of who Jesus was, right? Jesus straight up said that your understanding does not come from merely human, human um, ability, but from God, from our Father in heaven, right? So Peter already knew something about Jesus that most people did not know, right? At this time, most people did not know that he was the son of the living God. They thought he was John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets, you know, but Simon Peter knew that Jesus was the son of the living God, right? And so many of us have been taught and many of us believe that um, when Jesus says, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church, that Jesus was talking about Peter, right? And, the, and that the whole church was built on Peter. Um, just to kind of give you some information about this passage, many scholars and many theologians actually believe, um, they interpret this passage to say that the statement that Jesus is the son of the living God is the rock, that he will build his church, right? So maybe that statement is actually the rock that the church was built on. But I want you to recognize, even if that is true, even if the passage should be interpreted that way, Simon Peter was the only one out of all the disciples that had the guts and the this understanding of who Jesus was at that time. And if you read through the book of Acts, especially near the beginning of Acts, um, you can see that Simon Peter was a leader in the church, right? He was, especially at Pentecost, he was the main leader and preacher of that time. All the, all the disciples were speaking in tongues and stuff like that, but he was the main leader to address all of the people. And then 3,000 people were saved in one day. And then as you read in Acts, it says over and over again, and many more were added, and more were added to their number daily, right? So either way, no matter how you interpret this passage, it is it is essential to know and understand that Peter was a leader amongst the disciples and amongst the church, right? And I feel like I can relate with Peter on multiple levels here, right? Um, first off, uh, as I said, I've, I was born into an incredible family, right? I'm a big family man. I've always had faith in God. And I, I recognize that that only is because of the grace of God um, I was born into an incredible family. You know, we always went to church. I was born on the mission field even. Um, and so even from a young age, I've always had faith in God. I've literally never doubted his existence. Yeah, I've had struggles. I'm not perfect. I recognize that. Um, I've had struggles and I've had doubts about Christianity. But for some reason, I've always believed in God. And I know and recognize and thank God that it's only because of him that that is so. And another, another way that I can relate with him um, is because Jesus basically gave him a big responsibility, right? So if he, saying, you are the rock that I will build my church. Uh, if you know my family, you know they're incredible people, um, all of them. I have my oldest brother, he is a, a doctor up in Michigan, um, doctor studies school for like 12 years some of them, like it's crazy how, how long they're in school and studying and, and then they have a residency program, like that's crazy. There's no way I'm gonna go to school for that many years, no way. Um, and then my, my second brother, second oldest brother, he is an executive pastor in North Carolina. 
Um, my third oldest brother is a youth pastor in North Carolina. Um, then you got my dad on top of all of this. He was a pastor in Wisconsin for a long time, uh, a missionary in Zambia for several years, and now a professor at SWU slash missionary at SWU, right? And then you got my mom as well. Uh, she is the nursing supervisor at Oconee Memorial Hospital. Basically what that means is that she is the boss when she is working, right? And she is the boss. She is incredible. Um, so there's a lot of shoes to fill. And even on both sides of my extended family, I have, I have missionaries, I have pastors, uh, doctors. There's so many incredible people in my family. And I am the second youngest on the Tolan side and the sixth youngest on the Shigley side, my mom's side. So there's a lot of shadows being cast on me. So I, I completely understand the pressure that Peter was feeling, you know. Um, there's another way that I think that all of us can relate with Peter. All of us can relate with Peter. If you want to continue on with me, we're going to skip down to verses 21 through 27. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But, for, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for, you, for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Whew, man, that is such a challenging passage. And we could spend literally the entire day just looking at this passage, dissecting it, all that kind of stuff. But I know that many of you would eventually get bored um, and get hungry and want to go to lunch. So we're not going to do that. But there's this one verse, verse 23, that I really want to take a look at. Jesus says, you do not, he's speaking to Peter, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So just like Peter so many of us can relate on this level. I'm pretty sure literally all of us can relate with Peter on this level. We have lost focus at some point in time in our life and sometimes still do or are currently focusing on the wrong things. Because he was focused on merely human concerns and not on what God had in mind, right? And I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Um, and in case you don't know this, the Jews, 
the, the Messiah that they were hoping for. They wanted the Messiah, their Savior, to overthrow the Roman rule, right? Because at this time, the Romans were ruling over Jerusalem. They were basically ruling over all of the known world at this time. Um, and so they were ruling over the Jews, and they want, the Jews wanted their Savior to over, overcome the Roman rule and the Roman oppression, right? Um, and even on Palm Sunday, when Jesus is coming in, riding on the donkey, and all the people are yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, what they're saying is Savior or save us, right? And so they were hoping and thinking and praying that their Savior would come in and take out the Romans, you know, in whatever way, I don't know, maybe physically or somehow spiritually, some crazy something would happen, you know, and then they would take over power and rule back from the Romans, right? And that's what they were thinking Jesus would do. That's what they, that's what Peter thought Jesus was going to do, right? But Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because he didn't want him to be a stumbling block for the plan that God had, right? Because God's plan, Jesus's plan was way better than what the Jews had in mind, because Jesus wasn't coming to just save them from a physical oppression, something that would only last for as long as they live, which really in the grand scheme of, all, scheme of it all is just a short time. Like our existence on earth really is just a short time. But Jesus was coming to save the Jews and all the Gentiles, which means literally everybody else for eternity. His plan was to save all of us for eternity and thank the Lord that he went through with that and not just the plan to save the Jews because we wouldn't be here. So his plan was way better. So he wasn't, he wasn't when he said, get behind me, Satan, he was recognizing that Satan was in is a real being, right, and it influences us sometimes and tries to get in the way of God's plans. But God's not going to allow that to happen, right? But I don't blame the Jews, you know? If we're looking at this passage, Micah 6, 8, they were looking for justice, right, to act justly. They were looking for justice, I mean, at this time, they had gone through all sorts of oppression. Different people have come in, taken over, taken over rule. You know, they've been scattered and exiled, and, the, and then they've come back and then got taken over again you know, by the Romans. And, and so they were wanting justice. This was the land that was promised to them. Right? This was the promised land, and they were thinking, this is our land. So we want justice. We want rule back from the Romans, right? But they forgot two very important things. They forgot to love mercy, right? And they forgot to walk humbly with their God. They didn't think about maybe, maybe God has a plan to send a savior to save literally the entire world for the rest of history, right? For the rest of time. They didn't think about that. They were just thinking about themselves. I understand that. I get that, right? And they didn't think about walking humbly before God and thinking maybe he has a different plan. Maybe he has something else in mind. They had their own plan and their own idea of what Jesus was going to do. But God's plan was far 
better. So I have a question for you. A question for you is this. Where is your focus? Where is your focus, right? Some of you, it may be on material possessions. When we were talking about stewardship these past two weeks, um, Pastor Mike had the statistic, I think it's maybe 91 or 93% of Americans are in debt, and that doesn't include college debt, that doesn't include a mortgage on a house or things like that, but in debt because of just all the things that they have bought, right? So according to statistics, some of us in here are in debt. Or maybe our focus is on just accruing a lot of money in our bank account, and it's good to save. It's wise to save. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but if our focus is entirely on that and we just hoard everything and aren't living generously, we're not loving justice or not loving mercy and living generously, right? We lose our focus. Or maybe our focus is on a status kind of thing, a social status. We want to get that next job promotion simply for the title, right? Or we want to um, get all these new things, the coolest car, the newest boat maybe, and take people out on the lake. Man, my boat is awesome. Don't you like it? It's pretty sweet, right? And just for a social status. Or maybe you are focusing on God, Maybe your focus is on God, which is great, awesome. I applaud you for that. Continue to do that. But maybe you're limiting what God has in store for you. Maybe you're limiting what God could do in your life, just like Peter was doing. Peter recognized that Jesus was the son of the living God. So he knew that Jesus was the Savior. He knew that he was the one to come to save the Jews, but he was limiting God's plan, right? So maybe you are focused on God. Maybe you are living a good life, but you're just limiting what he could do in your life. And he's thinking, God is just sitting up there thinking, man, he's talking to you. You should go talk to this person. Or maybe invite this person to lunch, this person that you work with or this person that you spend time with, the person that you see um, in the grocery line you know, every week, once a week, or maybe a couple times a week, the person that you get gas from, whatever. And he's saying, you should go talk to them. But you think, well, surely not I, Lord. There's no way that you would use me Like, I recognize that I'm your child. I recognize that you made me. I recognize that you are the one true living God. But there's no way you would want to use me. And we're just limiting what he could do in our lives. Because when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, he just didn't know the plan that Jesus had. And just imagine for me... uh, just for a moment, if we put this in our context, we put maybe Pentecost in our context, you know, and we start speaking in tongues and different languages and, and uh, 3,000 people get saved, that would be absolutely incredible, you know? That would be incredible. But I also want you to imagine this. Even if your entire life you lead just one person to Jesus. And maybe you don't even lead them. Maybe you're not even the one to say the prayer with them or, or to teach them things, but you just guide them 
in the right direction. Even if it's just one person, I guarantee you it is worth it. I guarantee you. I was thinking about it as I was planning and preparing. I'm pretty sure the most fulfilling moments of my entire life, I'm certain, the most fulfilling moments of my entire life are when I have the opportunity to lead someone else to Christ. Out of everything, that, I mean, I know I'm young. I'm only 23. So I know I haven't lived a whole lot. I don't have, a, I don't have children yet. Maybe that will become the most fulfilling thing. Um, but so far, I know that the most fulfilling thing in my life is having the opportunity to lead someone else to Christ. So I guarantee you, even if it's just one person in your entire life, do not limit what God has in store and what God has in plan for you because even just that one person getting saved is worth it. It is worth it. So where is your focus? I want you to think about that. Um, where is your focus? And even as we leave, um, and, and go to lunch or go home and cook a good meal, um, good old southern cooking, you know. Um, we always had uh, beef, beef roast, you know, good stuff. Even if you go home and do that, don't lose sight of God. Don't lose focus of where he's at. Because there's a little, little known fact. Literally everything you do can be for the glory of God. Everything you do can be for the glory of God. Um, God, the Bible teaches us to do everything with excellence, um, worthy and honoring God, right? Even there's passages of when he's even talking to slaves, like literally slaves during this time. They had slaves, literally talking to slaves, and he's saying, work as if you are working for the Lord. So literally everything we do can be used for the glory of God but only if our focus is on him, only if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, right? So I want you to think about that. I'm not, I'm not uh, criticizing you or judging you or anything like that. Um, I know that I struggle with this. It's so easy to lose focus, especially in such our technology-driven world. It's so easy to lose focus. Um, but I want you to try and maybe we can all gather together and encourage one another, pray for each other, and help each other out in this to, to keep our focus on God and keep working for him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you um, for your son Jesus. Thank you that he is, was the son of the living God and continues to live in us. Thank you for the plan that you had marked out, for the plan that you succeeded in accomplishing to save all of us. Thank you for your justice and thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your plans. May we act justly. May we love mercy just as you did. And may we walk humbly before you each and every day as we set our eyes on you and focus on you as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Be with us as we leave this place. May you continue to impact us and mold and shape us into the men and women of God that you want us to be, to your children that you want us to be. 
We love you and we thank you for all of your many gifts. We recognize that you are a good father. And it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. As it says in Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you for being here. I hope to see you next week. Go in peace.